you are listening to the Flash F1 podcast with Gil and Mark. Welcome back to Flash F1. You're back with another banger episode with Gil and Mark. Mark? Banger races lead to banger <laughs> podcast. And we promised you, listeners, we promised you that we did not record Austin and Brazil back to back on the same night because we wouldn't do you like that. Yeah, no, we have to keep it separate. We have our schedules. We take care of our flashers. This is a brand new episode. Brand new episode, different day, different time. But oh my goodness, what a freaking... And it's crazy because we talked about the fact that last race, we saw the Drivers' Championship decided. The construction has been decided for about six months. And you'd think this would be something of a lame duck race. And I mean, from a, a championship perspective, there's nothing to race for. But this was one of the most entertaining races of the entire season. Very exciting, very exciting. In comparison to the Austin race, which is very boring it was. And, and a very uh, rough surface, bad track, Yep. this race had a lot of excitement from start to finish, and especially the finish. Oh, the ending. And if there's ever been an event that speaks to how exciting a real physical mechanical safety car can be, it was this one. There is nothing better than a restart after a safety car. You bunch up the field, anything can happen. There's contact, there's mayhem. It's honestly, it's even better than the actual race start because a race start, everyone's at a full stop, right? This is a hot start. Anything can happen. I just, I love safety cars. We had a bunch of them. It was super, super exciting. And again, too, this was a shorter track with 71 laps, but yeah, everybody was bunched together. There was a lot of downhill speeds and turns, yep. which made this race really exciting. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for Flash F1 Official. So Max Verstappen takes pole and he gets to keep it because he doesn't run his mouth to the media afterward indicating that he's seen a yellow flag. So Max Verstappen takes pole. Vettel has something of a bounce back for Ferrari because they'd had great pace in qualifying in Austin and they had a terrible, terrible race in in Austin itself despite the fact that Leclerc finished fourth. So it's Verstappen, Vettel. Hamilton qualifies third, so an improvement over the fifth he qualified in at Austin. Leclerc qualifies fourth, followed by Bottas, Albon. That's pretty much the the kind of the starting grid that we expect. Three or two cars from Red Bull, two cars from Ferrari, two cars from Mercedes. Um, then we have Gasly, Grosjean, Raikkonen, and Magnussen. The race itself initially... Not super, super eventful, but as the race went on, it got more and more and more exciting. What were the things that stuck out to you from this race? Uh, the first thing was uh, earlier on in the race, uh, it was, was it Ricardo and Hulkenberg getting to a little bit of a, a touch and a tangle there. Yep, and there's a penalty as a result. Yeah, definitely. And, and I thought I thought that one was more of a... I don't know if that was a penalty, but again, we, we criticize the race stewards because they don't give penalties. We give them when they give penalties. Maybe we just got to give them a little bit of room here, but ultimately Ricardo takes a five second penalty on that contact. Yes. Um, lap 23, we see an unbelievable duel between Hamilton and Verstappen where Verstappen yes. nips Hamilton and pulls away. I love seeing those two duel. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as next year comes into focus. 
Um, what else? What else did you find exciting? Oh, the pit with Verstappen and the Williams vehicle. Oh man, that they released too early. Who was driving that Williams one? Was that it was uh, Kubica? Uh, yeah, uh, was... we don't have to worry about him anymore. I think he's out for. Uh... <laughs> You're ice cold, man. Oh man, the body's not e- the body's not even warm yet. So. I guess I guess you don't have to worry about pit stops when you're talking about a reserve driver for Renault or Haas or wherever he might end up. But we, we've shown a lot of respect for Kubica this year. But but yeah, that was terrible. The fact that Max is in the pits, he's fighting for the race race lead. He's trying to get a position, like I think based on his pit stop time, yeah. he should have ended either in right in front of Hamilton yep. coming around the turn. And and you can't you can't fault you can't actually false fault Kubica for this. He can't see behind him. He doesn't know that there's other traffic in the pit lane. His team releases him. And if you look at the footage, they did nothing yeah. to indicate that there's a car coming. So Kibitza almost puts almost puts Max into the wall. Max breaks hard and steers out of the actual pit lane to avoid contact, but ends up stuck behind him until yeah. they get back on the track. So that was close. Really bad on Williams. Unsafe release yeah. and almost ruins uh, Verstappen's race. And that ends up getting Verstappen behind Kubica and behind Hamilton. Yeah, and you know, we talk about the fact that this is really a team sport, and I think a lot of people that are new to it disagree, and they think it's really all about the drivers, but there's so many different things that can impact a driver's race or the team's race. It could be a bad pit stop. It could be a bad strategy call. It could be bad tires. It could be a bad release or an unsafe release like this. There's so many different things that can affect the race outcome that it's unfair to pin everything on the driver, but in this case, that wasn't Max's fault, and it also also wasn't Kubica's fault. It's a Williams thing. So it's another thing and a, a laundry list of terrible decisions and mistakes <laughs> that Williams has made this year. Lap 52, we see Bottas retire. We saw smoke pouring out of the back of his car. Yeah. I'm not clear what the mechanical fault was, but ultimately he retires and we have to have a full safety car, which I like to see. And Again, we'll talk about this. We've talked about the distinction between virtual safety cars and physical mechanical yeah. safety cars. The great thing in most of these tracks is that when you have a real physical safety car, you tend to bunch the field up behind the car. And then when the car pulls off, the lead car gets to dictate when the race starts and you have this race start again and it's just mayhem and exciting. So we have a full safety car when Bottas goes off. Um, great restart. Um, Max pits during the safety car and then we have another great restart Hamilton is in the lead when the restart takes place but almost immediately Max hunts him down and ruthlessly kills him again out of the blue just Red Bull had the pace the the speed that Verstappen had to catch up to Hamilton and pass him and the duels that they had earlier on in the race two back and forth you know, the middle part of the race, the strategies were about, you know, undercutting and then the virtual, no, then the safety cars, I'm sorry, coming out. Yeah. So that was a big factor. Those two things yeah. were factors of the middle part of the race. And Max is just, I, I was, I mentioned to you this earlier before the podcast that I was very surprised at the speed that Verstappen had. The pace that that Honda powered Red Bull had this race yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. And it wasn't just tire decision. It was just it was mechanical. It was the aero decisions they'd made. It was the driver. It was, and again, we talked last podcast about the fact that next year is not a slam dunk for Hamilton, right? Like if, if Ferrari can pull their strategy together and they can have a, a clear number one, Leclerc could go for the title, but and just I, the I levels, the levels that Red Bull and Toro yeah. also been making this last half of the season. All the credit to Honda. Like this is a team that was on the verge of leaving the sport after a terrible run with McLaren. They make the transition over to Toro Rosso and Red Bull. They're winning races. They're picking up podiums. Toro Rosso had a, a third place finish earlier this season yep. with Daniel Kvyat. That was only Toro Rosso's second ever podium. Like Honda, Red Bull, they've got a winning formula going right now. And to your point, yeah. that pace was just manic. It was crazy. Yeah. So it was exciting. 
<laughs> so, and, and I want to put this into, into a little bit of context here. So lap 66, this is your field. You've got Max leading the race. Not surprisingly, he's got great pace. He was on pole. You have Hamilton. You have Albon. So Albon having a great race in third. You have Vettel, Leclerc, Gasly. So maybe not a surprise. Your top six is two Red Bulls, two Ferraris, and a Mercedes. Um, Bottas probably would have been there, but the mechanical failure had him fail or had him fall off and take note that ghastly at this point the gentleman the young french driver that was relegated from red bull ruthlessly relegated and by christian horner from red bull demoted to down, yeah, demoted down to mid-season Toroso. in place of albon he's having a good race he's yep. in sixth place yeah, good position for him and then what happens Lap 66, chaos ensues for Ferrari. Oh, of course. Uh, you've got Leclerc and Vettel coming down the, the, the straightaway. Vettel, it looks like to me that Vettel turned in. But but first, Leclerc passed. So to be clear, Leclerc passes Vettel in the turn. In the turn. And then they come into the straightaway and then chaos ensues. Yeah, so Vettel's coming up on the right. With DRS. With DRS, coming up on the right. And tends to turn in there was plenty of space but tends to turn in early yeah touching leclerc's front right wheel yep just ever so rubbing so it his rear left tire touches leclerc's front, front right, right tire yep. ever so slightly but just that cut in very early the way they hit it or whatever the the case may be ended up damaging both vehicles so, so you had Imagine this. Vettel is in the process of overtaking Leclerc because yep. he's got DRS, so yep. he's got he's got that that added arrow passing him on the outside. Passing him on the outside, but he turns into the middle of the lane too early, and Leclerc's right there, yep. and the two tires make contact. Leclerc's front tire explodes, yep. shreds instantly, so he goes straight off into the corner. Yep. Suspension waving his also hands. broke too. Yes, suspension like, yeah. fails. He's done. And then what you can see in the replay is. Vettel's got a puncture as well. Yeah. And Vettel's far from the pit, and the tire is ripping the arrow on that car apart. So both Ferraris end up DNFing and the thing with that, five laps ex- left. Exactly. So they self-inflicted. The thing that gets me is that Vettel's on the radio screaming, what the hell is this guy doing? Oh, Yet no. it w- looked to me it was his fault. Yep. Turning in t- too early to and, and hitting his, his own teammate, causing the collision and DNFing totally. both vehicles. And, and I would fault Leclerc if... if if Vettel's making the move to overtake on the outside and Leclerc is squeezing him off Was the track, not it? at all. He had all the room in the so world. He room. just made a mistake. And it's been, it's this long list of mistakes that Vettel has made this season and a long list of Ferrari mistakes because they may have the most capable car from a pure performance perspective, mm-hmm. like sheer horsepower, but the mistakes their drivers make. And last podcast, and we definitely didn't record it after the Brazil race. But last <laughs> podcast, we were talking about the Ferrari team principal, um, Bonotto, and the fact that he's got to take some accountability. This is another example. They get no constructor's points. Yes. They get no driver's points. They retire two cars. Mm-hmm. They're at a pinnacle event in Brazil. It's got to be so embarrassing. Definitely. And we talked about this at the last podcast where I feel that the team principal um, is a big part of uh, the, the team's success or downfall. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and it's tough too because the good news was there were clearly no team orders, which is something you and I yeah, have complained about yeah, awesome. Definitely. For once, there's no team orders. But when, now then look what happens. No team orders, but then there's no team control. Yeah. You, 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 these guys are off the leash, but then they're like going off like wild men. Totally. Yeah. And the Leclerc overtake was great. Vettel goes to do an overtake, but just cuts right into him, makes a brutal mistake and sacrifices both of their races. It's 
I don't know, it seemed unnecessary at that point in the race. And again, I'm happy they're racing, but I, you gotta criticize Vettel for for sacrificing both of their races. Yeah, so that I'm not really curious how that meeting after the race oh, went the with- driver debrief. And I yeah. think they were also summoned to the stewards as well after that Yeah, one. definitely for, for that accident, so. So it's chaos. So you have these two cars, you have Vettel limping around the track with five laps to go. You have Leclerc off on the side of the track. And guess what comes out? Another safety car. Yes. Another safety car. <laughs> so we have, with just, what, two laps left, we have an unbelievable shootout. So we have this well, shootout. Well, first, first, first off, they what thought happened? that the race was going to end in a safe, oh, in yeah. a safety car. Oh, you, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, you are, because yeah. I was watching it, and with however many laps to go, and what what just ensued it they were saying on the radio that it might the race might end under a safety car well it looked like it yeah. conceivably could have especially and, with the amount of uh, debris that was yeah. left on the track and so what happens car. there when when a race does end either if it times out or if a safety car does end the race then the positions that the the drivers are at as they roll past the the finish line yeah. is the decided yep. decided uh, um, uh, finishing positions but Luckily, they were able now continue to finish the race, or at least with a couple laps left. Yeah. So lap 70. Um, and again, it was also kind of a little bit weird because Hamilton was actually instructed to pit under the safety car. Yeah, that was that was really weird to me too. They With, with only a couple of laps left, why did they bring him in? He definitely could have managed completing the race yeah. under the safety car or like the the release again, but they ended up pitting him for some reason. And he was even questioning it too. He's like, why'd you bring me in? Yeah. If, if any of our flashers or if any of our listeners have a better understanding of why he was pitted, I, I think we'd love to hear from you so we can share your thoughts on the air. But he goes in that the, the safety car leaves the track and as it does, this is the lead. So we went from Max, Hamilton, Albon, Vettel, Leclerc, and Gasly. The two are top four of Verstappen. Yeah. Albon, because Hamilton pitted. Yeah. Hamilton and Gasly. So suddenly three of the four cars left on the track are Honda-powered Red Bull or Toro Rosso's with a with a Mercedes wedged in between. Yeah. We have an unbelievable restart. And it, like I said, it was basically a two-freaking-lap shootout. Like, honestly... <laughs> Maybe that's all the race should be. Forget these other 50 laps. Just, a, Just start a, under yeah. a safety car and have a two-lap shootout. It's exciting as yeah. heck. <laughs> and then what happened? Oh, uh, Hamilton uh, turns, sees up, for, for me, Hamilton sees a pocket in front of Albon. So he's chasing Albon. He's chasing Albon on the last lap. And he ends up seeing a pocket on one of the apexes of the turn. Yep. He goes in, Albon turns in, but Hamilton's still behind Albon just a bit. I don't think yeah. uh, half of his vehicle was past a certain point to Albon in order yeah. to do that overtake and ended up uh, pretty much fishtailing Albon yeah. on a on a rear collision. It was it was heartbreaking because we're watching a race that's going to finish it's going to finish Verstappen in a Honda, yeah. it's going to finish Albon his first podium. So it's going to be a Red Bull one, two. And Albon's worked so hard this year; he Definitely. was promoted to Red Bull. And then Hamilton's going to finish third. And it's it's really also exciting because Hamilton raced really hard, and he had nothing to race for. He has the championship yeah, already; it's done. But he he go, turns in this corner, and he talked about it as well. He talked about the fact that there was an opening. I went for it, and there wasn't an opening. And he was very clear post race, like he was apologizing to Albon. It was my fault. It was my fault. It was my fault. Which ultimately led to an investigation which yep. we'll get to but elbon gets knocked around in the process gasly, gasly passes, passes him gasly <laughs> sneaks in he sneaks in so now it's 
Honda Red Bull, Honda yeah. Toroso, and then Hamilton skates past and starts chasing down, tries to chase down uh, Gasly before the end of the race. And poor Albon, he's out of it. Yeah, and he's... I- for me, I'm, I'm I'm thinking to myself, if I was Gasly, I'd be laughing my butt off. I'm look, I'm passing the guy that took my seat yep. at Red Bull, yep. and I got a podium, and he didn't. Yeah, I, I know, and it, that's the funny thing. Like, you know, the drivers have more respect for of each course, other than of that. Course. And, I, and I think it must have been really awkward for Gasly and Albon, but for Gasly, like this is like you think about the year that he's had to be demoted mid-season, but that to, to be. To be competitive in the Toro Rosso all season and then yes. end up with a podium, like I couldn't be happier for oh, him. Oh, definitely, so definitely. Hamilton finishes third, Max, which we'll get to, but it ultimately finishes Max, it finishes uh, Gasly, Gasly, and it finishes Hamilton. Hamilton. And this is, so this is crazy. So prior to this season, Toro Rosso had only ever had one podium, which was the win by Vettel in 2008. They had a third place finish by Kvyat in that crazy Germany race earlier this yes. in the summer. And now they have a second place they have a second place finish, which is just mind boggling. So super, super, super excited for them. Um, Carlos Sainz, and take note of this, Carlos Sainz finishes fourth. Now in the post race, Hamilton, and this is one of the great things I love about Hamilton. He's excited. He said, I worked really hard for this race, but he's like, I apologize to Albon. That was oh. all my fault. <clears throat> Hamilton's a great, he's got great sportsmanship. Yeah. That, that, that's the only way I can say it. Great sportsmanship. Totally he admitted it, that it was his fault. For me, if I was Hamilton, I wouldn't admit it. And he pretty much um, shot off his own investigation right he, at he right pretty there. Much, yeah. It was very much like uh, Verstappen back in Mexico qualifying when he admitted that he'd seen the yellow flags. And then the steward's like, well, damn it. Now we have to yeah, investigate exactly. you. But again, I love Hamilton. So the only unfortunate thing is he, and this is the stewards, when there's an investigation like this, it has to happen now. Don't let these guys go up and celebrate the podium if you don't think that's what the finishing is going to look like. Yeah. So Hamilton goes up with Gasly and Verstappen. Gasly has an unbelievable celebration. In Park Ferme, one of the things that was most exciting was the fact that he goes in, he gets out of the car, he's celebrating with the Toro Rosso team. He then goes over and gets to celebrate with the Red Bull team as well because yes. he got to spend half yeah. the year. That was just so heartwarming. But after the race, sometime after the race, the stewards ultimately decide that we've got to penalize Hamilton with a five-second five penalty, penalty, which means that Carlos Sainz gets advanced to third gets place. Gets advanced to third. This is the first McLaren podium in five years. Yep. Um, so all by themselves, the McLaren team get to go up and do a little podium celebration by themselves with some yep. media, which was super exciting to see. It was really cute. This was crazy. This race was I was sitting in a dentist chair when the race was happening and I got to watch the race after my dental appointment. I had Mark, I had a couple of other buddies texting me that this race is crazy. They didn't spoil it for me, but I wanted to watch the race so bad, but I'm lying in a dentist chair. My tooth is aching. I'm trying to get, you know, a crown done and everybody knows about what's going on in the race. I get home. I'm in pain, you know, in my in my mouth and I'm watching this race and it's just crazy. The last... The last half of the race, the last, you know, like 10 laps is just amazing. Amazing. Right. And I completely agree. And I credit, I credit the fact that the safety cars came out for the reason that this was so exciting. We, we look back, one of the more exciting races this season was Germany, and it was exciting because it was unpredictable and the weather was crazy and there were safety cars. This race was interesting because of the safety cars and the uncertainty and surprise and mayhem that they, that they contributed to the race. So 
All I can say is let's ban virtual safety cars yes. on all of the tracks and mandate that you actually have a physical mechanical safety car to back up that field because it's so, so, so exciting. Yeah, of course, having a, a virtual safety car to the drivers, it's really like nothing there. And they all they have to do is just maintain position at a certain speed. Yeah. With the actual physical safety car, there's something in front of them. They know that they can't pass. The only thing that with the with the real safety car was that whole thing with the back markers having to play catch up. Yeah. Uh, that was the only thing for me, and it took so long. I just didn't understand why to they effectively didn't effectively unlap themselves. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I just didn't understand why they had to go around that way instead of having the the back markers or the lapped cars just pass everybody else yeah. and then start again from, but uh, I completely understand. But in, from a race perspective in terms of getting the excitement, getting the, um, the physical car holding up the, the, the line or the, yeah. all the drivers and then jetting off and having the, the front lead vehicle yeah. determining when they're going to shoot out and that's, start the race again. That's the part that I like. That's awesome because you don't know when it's going to happen. And they're they're heating up their brakes. So they're, they're speeding up and slowing down and speeding up and slowing down. And then all of a sudden they're off. And it's that... It's the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh car. It's it's a reaction game at that point. Like how quickly can I react? It's and it, it makes for great TV. And like I said, the last two laps of this race were two of the more exciting laps of the entire season. And this, despite the fact that both championships were decided, like yes. there was nothing really to race for here except pride, and it was awesome. But Hamilton was saying that he's still going for it, whether he's won the championship. You know, it. He, he's a, he's a he's a racer. He's a driver. He wants to still like give it his all. He's not just gonna, you know, sit back and lay low now that he's won the championship. He's still, you know, wants to win races. Wants to add those to his, to his, um, to his list of wins and championships. That move he made on Elbon. Yeah. So he made that move, and we talked. We talked especially about last podcast about the fact that we kind of alluded to this race, but we talked about the fact that Hamilton is one of the best of all time because mm-hmm. he's consistent. He doesn't make mistakes. Does he make that move on Elbon? if the championship isn't decided and there's a championship at stake or did he make that move because i don't really have anything to lose the second one for me so i don't think he'd jeopardize his championship he would probably play it safe play it smart yeah i think he went hard for it because he's already won the championship and he's testing himself let's see what i can do now now that i've got nothing to lose yeah i agree I, again, I still think ultimately, and I don't fault Hamilton for it because if he saw an opening and there was an opening, and if you if you look at the race, like there was there was some space there and that oh, space yeah. just disappeared. Um, I don't fault him for going for it, but I think he's a smart enough driver that if he hadn't already won the title, that maybe he doesn't make that move. But the unfortunate thing is it costs Albon a podium and costs him points, which is really un, which is really unfortunate because I think we are, we're all sold into this narrative of. Alexander Albon just being a great kid and this great success story that basically was and if you listen to the Alexander Albon podcast on uh, Beyond the Grid it's a really really great podcast and they talk about the fact that coming into this season he wasn't even expecting to race in Formula One he basically resigned himself to the fact that hey I'm not going to reach my dream which is Formula One I'm going to Formula E and he basically emotionally decamped and realized that hey my future isn't my dream my future is Formula E and he also talked in that podcast about the fact that people were congratulating him on his Formula E ride and he's it's kind of hollow, but ultimately he ends up 
getting a ride and ends up racing with Toro Rosso has such a great first half of the season. He gets promoted to Red Bull. Um, and then he was in a position with two laps left with a lap left, left, half a lap left to get a podium would have been on the podium. And that said, if it, it, I'm also thrilled that it ended up being Pierre Gasly that gets that podium because of his situation. Exactly. Exactly. He starts with Red Bull and all the expectations are on him to be, uh, to be competing with Max. And that's an unfair expectation because not many drivers can compete with Max, but it was great to see him up there too. And he was so, and I don't know if you heard, but as he was crossing the finish line, I heard the audio, the driver recording audio. He was just for like 30 seconds, just screaming. Oh yes. Yes. "Ah, He was ah." so happy that that happened to him. And just, I guess in awe that, you know, all that has just transpired. So totally. really good for him, you know, something that went sour for him throughout the season, you know, had a nice finish and a sweet, sweet finish uh, throughout the season for him. And, and this is what we saw in the last lap is what happens when the racing's bunched up and racing becomes bunched up when there's more parity and the field's not spread out. But crazy things can happen with a lap or two laps left if the field is bunched up. And the only reason this race kind of played out the way it did is because we had that safety car because the Ferraris came together. But if we just had better racing and all the teams could be bunched up for 70 of the laps, then we'd see more of that. But that was that was exciting. Yeah. You see more battles. You'd see more passing. Just with the uh, with the live safety car, you, you've got the lead car with no obstruction, no one to pass. I mean, no one in front of him for him to pass. Like he's dictating the, the the start of the race, and he's wide open, and he's just laughing because everybody else has to battle from that bunch up. Of these three podiums, which is the most surprising? Um, Stroll, 2017, Baku. He finished third, almost finished second because Bottas passed him yep. right at the end. Yeah, um, Daniel Kvyat in Germany this year, finishing third, or. Pierre Gasly finishing second. Of those three finishes, which which is the most shocking? Which is the most surprising? I kind of sprung this one on you, but I'm curious. I know you did, but and I'm I'm tossed between the Stroll one and the and the Gasly one. Yeah. So the Stroll one, that was a you know a real breakthrough for him, and that was kind of put the spotlight on him. Bottas obviously took took uh, his position, and but he still ended up with the podium. Totally. You know, everyone has those lucky breaks, but I think this one with uh, Gasly and Albon switching positions yeah. uh, with the teams and with Albon, you know, getting uh, getting the unfortunate uh, unfortunate um, impact with uh, with Hamilton and then yeah. Gasly taking taking the position was yeah. uh, really bittersweet. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go with the, the, the third one, which is uh, Gasly getting yeah. getting this win here. I think the Kvyat one, that race was just mayhem because of the racing, because oh, of the weather. Yeah. I, I think, to me, the Stroll one is still a highlight because it was the first podium for a Canadian driver and man, probably 20 years at that point because I don't think JV scored a podium after 97. I could be wrong. Maybe he scored one in 98. Um but this one was this one it was itself really special just because the storyline being demoted and being able to battle back and get a podium and I, I just loved and I said this earlier but that Park Ferme scene where he's celebrating with his Toro Rosso team and the, yeah. and then he goes over to celebrate Red with Bull the Red Bull team. Of course, he's got a relationship so with with both of them and yep. you know they're they're sister sister teams yep. anyway. So there's a lot of love there and you know it's it's one of those things where. You know, I've worked with these these group of people for for the start of the season. Worked with this group of people to get me where I am now for this half of the season. Yes, it's not the Red Bull team, 
but you know, it was really good for him. So the final finish was Max Verstappen finishing first in the Honda powered Red Bull. Pierre Gasly finished a second in a Honda-powered Toro Rosso. Yeah. Honda's having a great year. I couldn't be happier for them. The sport needs more engine manufacturers. Third place, and again, it's sad that Carlos Sainz didn't get to go up and celebrate with Merce- yeah. or with McLaren. Because um, it was decided after the race decided after with Hamilton's the race. five-second penalty, which yeah. advances Sainz to... Third from fourth. Yeah. Uh, first podium for mclaren in five years so again it's a great breakthrough for them mm-hmm. they're they'll be finishing up their relationship with renault next year moving to mercedes power as we've discussed and then this is with all of the craziness that was happening this completely flew under the radar so kimmy raikkonen oh, yeah. finished fourth <laughs> like there were, nobody has been talking about this at all alfa but romeo kimmy raikkonen for alfa romeo finishes fourth and finishing fifth behind him directly behind him was his teammate Giovinazzi like it's it's crazy so let let me I'm gonna I'm gonna be super ghetto here and look this up as we're speaking but Giovinazzi year to date he didn't have a points finish until Austria when he finished 10th he then had finished 9th in Italy so his home Grand Prix he finishes 10th in Singapore so he's those three points finishes and then out of nowhere he gets a fifth place in Brazil I I couldn't be happier for him and I couldn't be happier for Kimi but what a great story for for Alfa Romeo to cash in a fourth and a fifth place finish in Brazil. That was amazing. Yeah, so a lot of the other drivers, other teams that were knocking themselves out or DNFing throughout the race advanced and mixed up the the order in, in the finishing of this of this race, which is really good to see. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of drivers or cars from either the back half of the field, yeah. you know, advance forward because some of the top line guys like Ferrari knocked themselves out, Bottas was out. Yeah. Uh, and, and and brought them up and we were able to battle with some of the guys that were up front. So this was really exciting. I liked it. It was exciting. And I, I don't care if the results were a byproduct of the fact that the Ferraris knocked themselves out and Bottas has an engine failure. But ultimately, you finish with Max in first, Gasly signs, Kimi, Giovinazzi, Ricardo finishes in sixth, followed by Hamilton seventh. Lando Norris finishes, um, I guess, eighth on here. So Double points finish for McLaren for the second weekend in a row. They continue to cash in the points. They're really bringing something together. Sergio Perez picks up some points for two points to be specific, two points for Racing Point, and then Kvyat in the Honda-powered Toro Rosso finishes in 10. So three Honda-powered cars in the top 10, and the only reason there weren't four was because of the, potentially because of the issue with uh, contact with Albon and Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Ferraris were out. Yeah, and the Ferraris were out. Yeah. But we've seen that so many times this year. It's crazy. <laughs> so we have one race left. We have one race left. Is that it? Yeah, that... one race and the season's done. Okay, one race left, and I think we've got a few more podcasts to go. We've got some exciting stuff yeah. lined up. We've got another Tim Haraney. We've got another one with, hopefully, we'll have another Business of F1. We've got one with a special guest, a YouTube star we're working on. Um, and then hopefully we're going to have a, a, a postseason awards show, hopefully get Sarah involved to be Yeah, she's been a big host. part of our uh, our Flash F1 podcast success. So uh, we got to get her on. So, uh, you know, we can have a conversation. You can have a conversation. You can yep. hear her talking instead of just doing the intros and the... We'll bring our awards. So we'll, uh, we'll present some awards, but she'll be the one that will be hosting the event yep. and asking us the question. So a little less of us and a little bit more of her, which will be... Exciting and really, I, I think the the only kind of news and gossip I have today, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of let everyone go here shortly. But the only story I have is this, and I got to provide a little bit of background to this one. So for a while now, and 
fans of Lewis Hamilton have probably picked up on this. He's been he's been going through a personal journey the last couple of years, and part of his journey has been changing the way he eats and his awareness of. Um, our footprint as humanity on the planet Earth. So, for instance, he's always been well-known to have a fleet of supercars. He drives a Formula One car and he has a private jet. And I, I think he'd come to the realization that if he's going to really promote um, environmentalism and environmental causes, it's probably not a good look to be flying around the globe in a private jet when he could be flying could be flying commercial. So he got rid of his jet, which is a big deal because it'd been a big piece of who he is. Everyone's familiar with yeah. his red jet. And he, he, you know, he was jet setting and going from Vacation. formula race and then going to party in, in totally. LA and Hollywood. Totally. And he New was York. living it up and yeah, he deserved course. it. And he's got all these celebrities that he's buddy buddies with, or they come to visit him in the yep. pits and during the races, you've got, you know, the last race, you got Matthew McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't know what the heck he was doing there, but apparently they're buddies and, you know, he schmoozing with Hamilton's parents right at the championship. And and part of his journey has been an environmental one, but it's also been food, and he's become a big advocate for a plant-based diet. And if you follow him on social media, you'll see this. But a couple of weeks ago, he posted something on Instagram. It was a really deflating message, and he talked about giving up, or he, he kind of posted this message about giving up and that the world wasn't moving quickly enough and that, the peop- that the, as a globe, we as humanity didn't care enough about um, our future and all this kind of thing. So it was kind of interesting that last week, Formula One has officially launched a plan and this one's interesting formula one has launched a plan to become carbon neutral by 2013 and i quote the intention is to wipe out the carbon footprint of activity at racetracks including road and air transport of staff and equipment to the event formula one says it will quote unquote move to ultra efficient logistics and travel and 100 renewable powered offices facilities and factories and offset emissions that cannot be cut. It said it's going to be taking the first steps to become carbon reduction efficient immediately. So it's interesting that the sport that is literally fueled by high octane racing cars that ships these racing cars all over the planet in ships and planes and and all these kind of things is working to become carbon neutral which is kind of interesting and and I, it's something i've been wondering about for a while because as we have this kind of global shift in this global awareness to our footprint and our impact on the environment i kind of wondered how long formula one could go without making some pretty significant strides so i thought this was interesting and what year did you say that they were gonna do 2030 2030 oh so i thought, I, I, thought I misheard you i thought you said uh, 2013 i'm like uh it's 2020 no it's 2030 man 2030 all right and, and gotcha. to be fair like you talk about these cars, they're ultra, ultra, ultra thermal efficient today. Like they're far more efficient than any road car. And to be fair to the sport, they're also hybrid. Like a lot of the power that these cars generate are from energy that's captured from the braking and the exhaust systems. So what's to say that in six years or five years or eight years, the engine formula isn't one that is even more reliant on hybrid or electrical energy. So from a car perspective, and again, the cars themselves, produce a very, very, very small amount of the total carbon footprint of the sport. Most of it's logistics and and exercising and shipping and all those kind of pieces. But if the cars themselves emit very little CO2, it just reflects well on the sport as a whole. So 
Yeah, interesting. I don't really have anything else from a, a news and, and kind of gossip perspective. Season's wrapping up. We've got one race left. Brazil was a total banger. I totally this enjoyed good, this race. Yeah. Um, I'm super happy for everybody involved. And like we said last week, it just reflects the fact that next year could be super unpredictable. Oh, definitely. And hopefully much more exciting than this this year. I was already excited for this year with the drivers, the new aerodynamics yeah. and the, the uh, advancements or enhancements that the, some of the teams and the cars were going to be making, um, they were kind of, you know, fell flat on there, in, in my opinion. But next year should be much more interesting. This year, one race left. This, this year went by fast, and I'm hoping this last race is going to be just as good, if not better, than this Brazil race. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the teams, how the teams come prepared for that race. And then immediately after the race, there's some testing as well. And we expect that really one of the only driver's seats that's uncertain right now, of course, we know Kibitza will be leaving Williams. That seat will be open. You and I, I think, have openly speculated that's probably going to go to Canadian driver Nicholas Latifi. Yeah. So I think that will probably be announced almost immediately after that race. I think there's probably an agree. It's probably a handshake agreement in place already, but yeah, one race left. We wrap this bad boy up and we'll be with you through the off season because I think there'll be a lot of changes and news and stories that will break. Um, we can't wait to host a podcast with Tim Haraney to talk about the 2021 regulations as kind of a wrap up on, up on the season. But in the meantime, if you guys have any questions or feedback, or if you have any questions for us to answer on the air, uh, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Twitter where we'll be happy. to. Yeah. Take those questions. Well, our next podcast, uh, after the next, the next race, the post race podcast, uh, just be ready. That's going to be a four hour podcast with no intermissions. So, uh, be ready for it. Four hours? I thought we talked four and a half. Oh, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. But yeah. uh, well, we'll see how that goes. To be fair, we did pull a two and a half hour podcast earlier <laughs> yeah, this year. That's right. When we did the live cast. And to, was, I, I don't want to share the numbers, but Germany, which was our live cast, yeah. that's still the most downloaded podcast we've ever it, done. It, it is. That's that's. I was so shocked by that. I was like, who's going to sit through and listen to an over two hour podcast? And what we know too is that consumption wise people were on average listening to 85 percent of it people were sitting through 90 minutes of that podcast yeah so the other 20 percent was them not listening to me <laughs> exactly exactly they were skipping through skipping yeah. past the gill parts let's listen yeah. to a little bit more Hamilton. it was all about black pink anyway so yeah. all good. <laughs> I, I don't think i don't think you'd uh fessed up to your black pink obsession at that stage i think that came a <laughs> i think that came a little bit later but uh yeah let's wrap this one up All anything right. else for the listeners no i'm good if you're good okay let's get out of here All right peace thanks everyone for joining us you have been a great audience this is sarah signing off at flash f1 with gil and mark Join us next time as we recap the season finale in Abu Dhabi.